Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Hi, guys. Um, So the reading today is from Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 to 13. So do follow along uh, with your Bibles if you have one there. Now, the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest. For there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on this mountain. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator, is superior to the old one since the new covenant is established on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. I will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. Hey guys, how are you? It's good to see everybody. Um, if, if you're new or if this is your first time tuning in or getting, uh, getting to be part of Christ of the Church, and you're really, really welcome. I would love in the next few months to get to meet you in person. And just a little bit about me, I am very short, I'm only five foot six. I'll probably not have any facial hair by then, so keep an eye out for me. Um, about four weeks ago, I, I made a great, great life decision with my wife. We, we, we decided to commit to Dublin long term, decided to commit to Christ City Church long term and, and to go full time in the church. So that was a wonderful decision. Four weeks ago, incredible. It's amazing. Two weeks ago, I made a really poor life decision. So it's funny going from one great to one poor. Two weeks ago, I did not foresee this. Uh, this lockdown, therefore I did not get a haircut. So I have too much hair on the head of my head. 
However, by next Sunday, I will have a lot less hair and uh, I'm hoping my mother-in-law will cut it for me. Anyway, no, no doubt, no doubt there will be someone tuning in today who's going to be a Lord of the Rings fan. There, there's always one. Uh, my brother-in-law seems to be an encyclopedia when it comes to anything Lord of the Rings related. So when movies are on in his household, there needs to be silence, attention. No one can breathe. No one can eat. And then there's my wife and sisters-in-law who will come in halfway through and ask lots of questions. The despair. Who is he? Why are they trying to get rid of the ring? Can they not just hide it? Who is the big white guy? What on earth is an eye-looking thing? There's nothing worse. So, so much of the plot is hidden and revealed in the opening couple of scenes. And whether we engage or not will determine our level of satisfaction and enjoyment at the climax and at the end. So, and with regards to a film, the beginning of a film is as important as the end. You can only understand the significance in light of the beginning. And so it's not all that different in the book of Hebrews. We've been exploring this book over the last five weeks, exploring concepts such as Jesus' deity, his humanity, uh, rest, uh, the priesthoods. And this week we'll explore both the old and new covenants in the hope that when we better understand the old, the new will be much more glorious. And then our affection toward Jesus will be increased all the more. Um, if, um, if you're able, will you, will you close your eyes and bow your heads? I, I want to pray. Jesus, thank you that your word is living and active. That your word, Jesus, has power to transform. Your word has power to bring freedom. And so together, collectively, we're saying, Jesus, we are open to be shaped by you and your word. And, uh, and Lord, as I teach, we choose to sit under your authority today, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're going to look at the true sanctuary to begin with. Uh, so the, the central theme of this book presents Jesus as the high priest of his people. So we come to chapter 8 this week, and, and we remember last week Steve showing us that Jesus was both a, a superior priest and a permanent priest compared to the priesthood of Aaron and the Levitical descendants. And so verse 1 kind of wraps up <clears throat> the previous passage stating, we have such a high priest. Remember the high priests of Aaron's line? The Levites were occasional visitors to the innermost sanctuary of the temple once a year to make sacrifices to atone for the sins of themselves and the sins of the people. Yet Jesus has taken a permanent residence at the hand of God. And so chapters 8 to 10 will show that, that Jesus is a mediator of an even better covenant on the basis of a better offering. So we're only going get to get to explore chapter 8 today. But do read on ahead of chapters 9 and 10 this week and reflect on why this covenant or what, what, why this covenant is better for you. So if you've got a Bible there, will you look at verse 2? <clears throat> it says, verse 2, who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. So the temple in Jerusalem was one of the glories of Israel. The building itself was imposing enough, but first century Jews were struck not so much by its structure, but by its purpose. They saw it as a place where God and man were brought together by the mediation of the high priest. Jews living outside of Palestine regarded a visit to the temple as one of life's greatest moments. The temple was the focus of the religious life of an entire people group. The Jews were so emotionally attached 
to it that even converted Jews, Jews that had been converted to Christianity, were reluctant to think that it had served its purpose. And so at this point, the, the writer sets out to reassure the readers they weren't giving up on the temple and getting nothing in return. No, there was a better sanctuary, the true tabernacle. In comparison, the temple in Jerusalem was only a copy and a shadow, as we can see in verse 5. So the layout of, the te- of each temple followed the same pattern, originally laid down by the tabernacle. So the ancient tabernacle and the temples that followed were visual aids. The model was glorious, but it was only a model. Now the people of God have a high priest who ministers in the real heavenly sanctuary. It's important to remember that. The heavenly sanctuary, it isn't one that can be plundered and destroyed. You remember history tells us that the famous temple in Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70 by the, by the Romans. So no doubt Jewish believers would have thought the destruction of the temple was the greatest catastrophe possible. But yet they're being reminded and encouraged, no, the true sanctuary is actually in heaven. So what you see before you is just a copy and a shadow of the reality. The reality is found in Jesus. So Jesus now, Jesus ministers now in the true sanctuary as a mediator between God and man. So Jesus mediates between God and man. He is the one that connects us. Jesus provides us with access to know God personally and deeply. Something that Israelites did not have access to. So when we see a shadow, we know someone is coming, but we don't know who it is. We can see the outline, but we don't know the detail. We can see there's somebody there, but we don't actually know them personally. And so perhaps this describes you and God. You know he's there, but you don't know him. You know about him, but you don't have a relationship with him. You know him in your mind, but you don't revere him in your heart. Perhaps he's a Sunday snack, but not a daily intake. Maybe he's a distant being and not a close father. So Jesus is a permanent resident in the heavenly sanctuary at the right hand of the Father, mediating for us, willing us on, providing us with access to God, that we may know him, that we may revere him, that that he may be our father, that we can know his father on intimate terms as he does. So the Hebrews never had direct access to God. They always needed a priest to mediate for them. There's no direct relationship with God. Jesus has changed all that and are about to see why it's better. So Jesus is a high priest serving in the true sanctuary in heaven. We get that. But now the writer says in verse 6, will you look at verse 6 with me? It says, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as a covenant of which he is a mediator is superior to the old one. Since the new covenant is established on better promises. So the new covenant is established on better promises. So we have a better covenant. So what is a covenant, you ask? So let me define it. A a covenant is a formal binding agreement or a pledge between two parties. So a covenant is a formal binding agreement or a pledge between two parties. So where a contract is a legal agreement, a covenant is a life agreement. We see the use of a covenant in a marriage between man and woman. That's where you'll see it most often. So a covenant is a life agreement. 
Now, let's look at the old covenant because to, be, to understand and to, to appreciate the new covenant, we need to know what the old one is. So the old covenant, there are seven covenants, seven recorded in scripture between God and man. We have a covenant at Eden, a covenant with Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, and Jesus. We're not looking at them all, but it's important to note that each of these are building upon the previous. They're like building blocks. They're building upon the previous. If you look at the slide, you'll see all the way back in Genesis 12 and Genesis 15, God creates a covenant with Abraham, saying to him, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Guys, this was a specific family that Abraham was to be a father of. And so this is a family covenant, if you will. This was given before the Israelites were even a people and before Abraham was even the patriarch. So when it comes to the Mosaic covenant, and this is the one we're going to look at, when it comes to the Mosaic covenant, Israel had already intermarried with foreign nations. Israel had already fallen away from God. Israel had already been in slavery for 400 years. God had raised up Moses who delivered Israel from the bondage of Egypt and took them through the Red Sea to the wilderness. And after exactly three months since their departure from Egypt, they came to Mount Sinai. Moses went up on the mount and God gave him the following covenant. This is the Mosaic Covenant. And he says, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Exodus 19 verses 5 to 7. So the purpose behind the covenant is clearly defined. Israel were to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. A people set apart for God's service and a light to the nations. So the Mosaic Covenant God established with Israel was based upon God's laws and his promises for the people, but it was also based on something else. Do you see, do you see the slide? It's so important. This bit's incredibly important. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, the covenant was not only based upon God's laws and promises, but it was also dependent upon Israel's faithfulness and obedience to God. Do you see a problem arising? There's a problem here. As long as the people were faithful to God and abided by the conditions of the, of the covenant, they would enjoy a special relationship with him and experience a life and the purpose he desired for them. And so Exodus 19 continues and it goes on to say, so Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before him all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, we will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. Guys, how easy is it to sign up for something or to agree to do something with all as well when everything is sweet, when you're, uh, when you're out of Egypt, when you're in safety, when everything is wonderful, when there doesn't appear to be much of a cost. You agree to take on an extra workload even though it puts you under pressure. It's like, like me walking out of a, a meeting with my dissertation supervisor a few years back. Yeah, yeah, not a problem. I know exactly what you're asking me to say. I know exactly what you want me to do. Not a problem. Oh man, what have I even agreed to? And so this Mosaic Covenant is bilateral and totally conditional. The provisions described and prescribed in this covenant 
with regards to the sacrifices that need to be made to atone for sin were designed to be temporary, to symbolize a perfect covenant, to symbolize a new covenant that was to come. So under this old covenant given to Moses at Sinai, salvation and right relationship with God came through a faith expressed by obedience to God's law and sacrificial system. There was a problem though, because that sounds great, but there's a problem. If you've read your Old Testament, and if you know Israel's history in the Promised Land and an exile, you'll see that, man, they're a screwed up people. They're in exile again and again, under the Babylonians, under the Persians, under the Greeks, and then under the Romans. So you see a familiar sight of Israel falling into sin, repeatedly forsaking God. God then raises up a redeemer, a type of hero to help rescue Israel. The judges, the kings, David, Solomon, the prophets. Yet even after Israel repents and turns back to God, it isn't long before they've gone back to their old ways again, fallen back into idolatry, living for themselves, forsaking God, forsaking the covenant he made with them. So the heart of the problem, guys, is a problem with a heart. That's the key. That's a key takeaway. The heart of the problem is a problem with the heart. God's people couldn't hold their side of the bargain. They couldn't keep their promise. They couldn't live up to the terms of the covenant. Because of sin, humanity suffers decay. Not just physical, but moral decay, ethical decay, spiritual decay. That's totally separated God's people from having a right relationship with him. It's no different today, guys. Sin separates us from God. So the Israelites could offer sacrifices and they could do the externals, but there was a problem with the internals. It's like buying a car. I used to love buying and selling cars over the years. And man, whenever I went with a little bit of money to buy a car, the seller didn't know this. But as long as the car looked good, I was probably going to buy it. As long as the exterior looks good, that's wonderful. But the reality is I get home and I do a little bit of cleaning. I get the car jacked up. I look under it. I give it a proper look over and I realize under the surface, it's absolutely rotten. What have you done now if you've made a serious dis- mistake? You've just focused on the externals without ever looking at the internals. As long as it looks good on the outside, that's all that you cared about. And so it was with Israel. Israel were rotten. God had always desired their hearts. From day one, they always desired hearts. Desired for the sacrifices and the rituals of the old covenant to be adhered to out of the right motivation. Instead, Israel were so caught up in the externals, trying to look good on the outside, that their hearts were far from God. I wonder if that's you. I wonder if that describes you a little bit. Maybe it does. But I want to tell you, it doesn't have to after today. You can go directly to God. You can go directly to him. You can confess and you can say to him, God, I repent. I come straight back to you and he'll accept you. Guys, Israel couldn't keep their side of the deal because of a problem in their hearts. There was an issue with the people. The people couldn't be faithful. Sin had marred them and they took other things to be their gods. And as a result, the covenant couldn't be kept. And there was need for a better covenant, a new covenant. So the better covenant, we've got a new one. Nestled in Jeremiah 31 are these incredible words spoken in a prophecy to the people of Israel while they were in exile in Babylon. 
honestly, Jeremiah is a huge book, 50 odd chapters. Be so easy to miss this. But nestled here in Jeremiah 31 is this little snippet, this little promise telling of a better covenant to come. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. Wow, incredible verses. The days are coming, he said. And so first, this passage quotes Jeremiah 31, where God says that the new covenant will not be written on tablets of stone, but he himself will write the law on the tablets of our hearts, on our hearts. This is a better covenant. The covenant of Moses codified God's eternal standards of righteous living, what was right and what was wrong, on tablets of stone that were without us. And so... So during this time, the people of God, the Israelites, had a sin nature. Humanity had a sin nature that was inherited from Adam. And that sin nature still ruled within us or within them. So we saw the law written on tablets of stone, but the Israelites could not obey it from their hearts. But under the new covenant, the better covenant, God has given us new hearts. He places a spirit within us and he writes his law on the tablets of our hearts so that it is now our nature to obey it from the internal instead of being obligated to be to obey it from the external thus the new covenant is a better covenant do you see the old one was an external one and the new one was an internal one it moves from i must to to i want to you know that there's things in life where, where we just think oh man i must do that and they're good things you know, I, I, I got married 18 months ago, and prior to getting married, I can tell you this for a fact, I would not want to bring somebody a cup of, bed, cup, cup of tea into bed in the mornings. But 18 months ago, everything changed. Now, on a, on a Saturday and a Sunday morning, I bring my wife a cup of tea into bed. Sometimes she wants a green tea, sometimes she wants a normal tea. If I bring the wrong one, I'm sent out to get another one. But I, I want to do it. I have a longing to do it. I don't feel obliged to do it. I have a devotion to do it. And so it is with the old covenant and the new one, the, the old Mosaic law written on tablets, where I must do it, I must obey to this new law that's internalized in our hearts. I want to obey. God has given me the ability to obey. So moving from I must to I want, and moving from duty to devotion. So the new covenant is enacted on better promises. Verse 6 tells us, the better promises are that the new covenant is not bilateral like the first, but instead is unilateral, meaning that the new covenant could be kept. The old couldn't be kept because of the sin of the people. But yet here was a covenant that God was making with his people through the sacrifice of Jesus that actually could be kept. So people like you and I can enjoy a relationship with God and can abide in his presence. So this, this covenant is far superior because it would be internalized in the heart, because it would be personal, and because it could provide direct access to God. Provide direct access to God. We can now directly approach God with boldness and have access to him in a deep, personal, intimate way. Jesus called God Abba, Father, which is completely mind-blowing to, to, the, to the Hebrews. 
Because this God who is so unapproachable under the old covenant could become so approachable and so known in this new covenant. You have direct access to God today through the work of Jesus, meaning that you can call to God as Father. And then fourthly, the new covenant is far superior because it would deal thoroughly with sin. Give me an amen. Amen. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Through Christ's sacrifice on the cross, he's dealt with sin once and for all. No need for further sacrifices. No need to be carrying around the weight of sin because Jesus has taken it upon himself on the cross. No more will we have to bear the guilt and the shame. Christ has paid the penalty and gave us his righteousness. For those of you who place their trust in him and follow him, we have that freedom that is single-handedly won for us. Imagine what this would have meant for the original hearers. They were tempted to turn back. There were those who were feeling the weight and the burden of persecution. They're asking themselves, is this really worth it? The writer is saying that this new covenant is far superior. It's no longer written on, on stone so that your sinful nature can't obey, but instead God has written this law in your heart to make you able to obey. Far, far superior. Why would you ever want to return to the old? Why would you want the shadow over the real thing? Why would you want the little beans instead of the hinds baked beans? Jesus inaugurated this new covenant and has provided you with direct access to God the Father. The problem still remains for so many today though. This new covenant that transforms our heart also exposes our hearts. We can see through the old covenant, the people of God kept screwing up. They had heart issues that only Jesus could address. And for many of us, it's the same today. You don't have to look too far and you don't have to ask too many people what the problem is with Christians in the world today when you just hear this word hypocrisy. Jesus addressed it so much in his ministry, constantly rebuking the Pharisees for their hypocrisy. But in reality, maybe we're not all that different. People who praise God with their mouths, but their hearts might be far from them. In other words, our appearances are good, but our deep motivations are rotten. The heart of the problem is still a problem of the heart. Israel's struggles are no different than our own. While they may have, while they may have built golden calves and worshipped weather and fertility gods, perhaps we can fall into the trap of worshipping the business god, the money god, the me first god, the god of consumerism, the god of compromise. What's the answer then? If Jesus is the mediator of this new covenant, how is this any better? One word, access. If you trust and follow Jesus today, then you know that he has provided each of you with access to God, access to relationship with the Father. In relationship, our hearts are changed and begin to be bent towards the Father rather than towards self. The closer to God you draw, the more of his likeness others will see in you. Today, as I close, I don't have a list of do's and don'ts for the week ahead. I don't have much on a practical basis because I, I want to encourage reflection this week. As a nation, we have been thrust into uncertainty and unknown depths. But we've also been granted the gift of time. Let's this week be us be coming to a, a, a reflective week, a time of recalibration perhaps. And maybe for some a time of renewal in your walk with God. Under the new covenant, God's means of connection with you is relationship, not ritual. Through the heart, not appearances. St. Augustine. 
incredible man, incredible father of the church. He said, the new is in the old concealed, the old is in the new revealed. So the New Testament, the New Covenant is in the, is in the Old Concealed. So the New is in the Old Concealed, and the Old Covenant is in the New Revealed. And so to fully understand the significance of the ring in Lord of the Rings, you'll, you'll have wanted to have watched it from the beginning, or perhaps even watched the Hobbit movies. You know, the ring has power that corrupts. And Gandalf the Great couldn't carry it because he knew he was susceptible to its luring. Therefore, a simple person like myself, a hobbit, Frodo Baggins from the Shire, had to be the carrier, as only a simple person could avoid the lure of power. And so it is with the New Covenant. Unless we understand the inadequacy of the old, the lack of access to God, the constant need for sacrifices, for atonement for sin, the constant problem of the sinful nature, we can never truly appreciate or live in the goodness of Jesus, new covenant of grace that makes us righteous and co-heirs with him. And you may ask, well, so what, Matt? So what? One's better than the other. So what? The heart of the problem was a problem of the heart. Israel's heart under the old covenant was exposed, always inclined towards self. But under the new, Christians are given new hearts. We're rewired differently. Hearts that can be inclined towards God. So I want you to take a picture of this next slide. Seriously, five points, five points. Take it, simply take a quick picture. You might want to reflect on this this evening. You might want to reflect on it during your quiet time this week. Seriously, these are five questions. I, I really hope that will draw you towards God and reflection this week. How is God's grace under this new covenant change in my heart? Am I moved to good deeds by way of of duty or devotion? Is my motivation one of duty where I must, oh gee, I have to do this, otherwise the pastor, otherwise the guys won't be pleased with me? Or is it one of devotion where, God, I, I desire you so much, I can't get enough of you? Do I try to relate to God on old covenant terms, where my goodness equals my righteousness, I've done A, B, C, D, and E this week, therefore, well, that, that automatically makes me more righteous than I was last week. Are there areas in my heart and life I've not surrendered to God's grace? God's grace is unmerited favor. Somebody once said that the only thing that we contribute to our salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. God's grace has saved us nothing more and nothing less. And then finally, what might COVID-19 be exposing in me? Guys, we've all been exposed, not necessarily to the virus, but we've all been exposed by the virus. Corona is exposing us. Exposing our weak sides, exposing our dark sides. Corona is exposing our addiction to comfort, our, our obsession with control, our compulsion to hoard, our protection of self. Corona is peeling back our layers. It's tearing down our walls. It's revealing our illusions. Corona is leveling our best laid plans. Corona is exposing the gods we worship, our health, our hurry our sense of security, our favorite lies, our secret lusts, our misplaced trust. Corona's calling everything into question, guys. What is the church without a building? What is my worth without an income? How do we plan without uncertainty? What Corona reveals, God can heal. Amen.
Amen. Guys, on this last slide, I just want to pray a quick prayer. Chosen not for good in me, wakened up from wrath to flee, hidden in the Savior's side, by the Spirit sanctified. Teach me, Lord, on earth to show by my love how much I owe. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, guys. We're, we're going to sing a final song now before we close the song announcements. Guys, this final song is Blessed Be Your Name. And you know what? Through the seasons of life, whether you're on the mountain, whether you're in the valley, whether you're in the desert, wherever you may be, let's sing Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you.